it, so I change your lane. I need a cup of coffee and a couple dollars change. Call it Baton Rouge. Operator, won't you put me on through? I gotta send my love down to Baton Rouge. Hurry up, put your world on. I gotta talk to the girl just one more time. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, the keeper of the peace, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and boys, we got episode 12 titled Love Purple, Live Gold. Tonight, we're going to be talking to LSU women's soccer star, Taylor Dobles. But before Taylor joins us, guys, tell me, about this weekend a lot of good things going on christmas break right around the corner a lot of holidays and things uh hitting us really quickly but i'll start with you randy but man how was the weekend you know the weekend was pretty low-key we uh enjoyed the media room we watched uh christmas movies home alone one home alone two tonight we was even vibing on some national lampoons so really just low-key chilling you know we won't get to spend a lot of time with the the extended family because i got family all over the country and obviously, with the times being what they are, people are being rather safe and sorry. So we're just chilling, man, just getting ready, just enjoying the time off. Gotcha. Jim, what about you, man? Man, this weekend, I felt like I was at Six Flags. It was a roller coaster, man. For every for every great thing, there was just, like, ah, trouble. But, you know, it started with the uh, indoor soccer win with my daughter. And then, of course, we did do the interview with – um, Eric Anders on Saturday, which was phenomenal. LSU did beat Ole Miss and, you know, got that solid workout in with Dylan, as you saw. So more good than bad, overall productive. So at the end of the day, no complaints. Good deal. Yeah, same for me, very low-key as like Randy. Um, I'm anticipating family coming in town down here in Florida um, at the end of the week, just really prepping for Christmas and getting everything in order. Um but yeah, just a low-key weekend. Um, but without further ado, let's jump into the biggest interview in podcasting this week. Let's bring on the show LSU women's soccer forward, Taylor Doblaze. Taylor, thank you for joining us. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. We're just glad that you're able to join us. You know, another big-time story that we can, you know, get out there for you, but you know, when, when we when we talk um, with athletes, there's always a, a starting ground. So that's where I want to go with this. I want to take take us all the way back to the beginning. Um, where are you from? Um, I'm from sunny South Florida, but city-wise, Pembroke Pines. Pembroke Pines, out there near Hollywood, Florida? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. I spent some time there. I lived down... Um, in Davie, Florida for, I don't know, five years. So yeah. not too far from there. I spent some time at MacArthur High School, not too far from Pembroke Pines. So um, been there, done that. It was pretty cool. So tell me about Pembroke Pines uh, growing up there. Where'd you go to high school? Where'd you go to elementary school? Like, like, give me the rundown of schools. So I was born and raised in South Florida. Um, Started off school-wise, elementary and middle, I went to Pines Charter. And then for high school, then I went to private school, American Heritage. So stayed close to home, like 20-minute radius. Gotcha. So when was it that you started 
just being an athlete, what, were you playing multiple sports or was it soccer all the way? Um, so I started off with soccer, like at the age of like four, just because my older sister played. So I was just like, I want to be like her. I want to do whatever she can do. And then I also did gymnastics, cheerleading. I ran track. And then I never actually got into it, but in the backyard with my family and all, we'd play like pool volleyball at the beach. I'd play like beach volleyball. So that's always fun. For the most part, you you were soccer, you know, through and through at an early age. Um, so you, you mentioned having a sister. Any other siblings? Nope, just her, just my older sister. So who's the better athlete, you or her? Definitely me. I actually oh. went with it. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's the smart answer. You got to believe in yourself. So I, I get that. Um, what about mom and dad? Were, were they athletes or? Um, I would say they were athletes. My mom, she did volleyball growing up. And then my dad, he did baseball and football. He played football in high school. He was a center. And yeah, that was pretty much it for them. So, so I'm going to ask you the one question we ask everyone. Given the athletic talent in your family, are you the most athletic in the family? I would say so. I would say I'm definitely the most athletic. All right. Don't, don't let mom and dad hear that. I get it from them, though. I get it from them. I'll give them credit. There you go. Always got to give credit where credit's due. Mm -hmm. So as a kid, you're growing up, you're playing soccer. Who are you playing for? Are you just playing in, like, little park leagues, you know, as you get older? Or is there, like, this – big time like club presence at a young age where you're playing travel like four or five six years old yeah so growing up I think I started travel around like nine or ten like for the nearby club and then we would also a couple girls on my team and I we would guest play with the boys team just like our like age group I would say like we were pretty much like dominating in that aspect so like we just like wanted to like push ourselves in whatever way and as like we started to get older. Then we all moved to the club Sunrise Sting. And it was like the core of us, I would say maybe like seven or eight from the original club that we moved there. And then we just all came together as one club, as one team there. And we killed things over there. At Sunrise, we were definitely a top team. So were you the best player on those teams? I wouldn't say that. I would say I was definitely one of our starters, but we had good talent on the team. A bunch of our players didn't end up playing college soccer afterwards. So give me give me some names of some folks. Name drop for us. Like who are some of the, the best players that you played with or against as you're growing up? Um actually on my LSU team currently, Maya Gordon. She was our center back at Sunrise. So I grew up with her. I've known Maya since I was 10, um, starting from the back. Like our keeper, Elizabeth Matei, she went to Columbia. Then we have a bunch of girls actually went Ivy. We have Chloe Luriano and Sydney Waiters. They went to Cornell and Yale. Um, then we have Marley Frey who went to UCF. And then we also have Alyssa Vasquez that went to American. So yeah, pretty much just went up. Sounds like a lot of talent to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so we kind of touched on it, Taylor, talking about your high school life. So we're just going to kind of break on a little more. So you said you went to Heritage. Is uh, It's a private school. Big school or small school? 
Um, I would say it's a small school. My graduating class had like 13, or no, 300 kids. Not bad. 300? <laughs> I thought she was going to say 13. <laughs> like, whoa, well, that is small. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, well, that's good. So, we, we all graduated. It was about 500. We thought that was huge here. We were 6A mm -hmm. or 7A. I don't know what we were. DB was the star of the show there. <laughs> so, uh, we won't, we'll talk about him later. So, going through, you know, you kinda, you're coming up, you're playing club, you get to high school. Take us through freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior seasons on the progression. So, freshman year was probably a big year for me and my high school team and club team just because I would say that's when, like, the whole recruiting process started. But freshman year was exciting. It was a very good – like, my high school was very good and talented in soccer. We always, like, were competing for, like, state championships. So coming in, my high school won four straight titles. And then a lot of pressure. Year, yeah, it was. Then I actually started in high school, like as a freshman. So that was exciting. And then we won that year. We won state. So coming out strong, pretty much. So it's five in a row there. Yep, five in a row there. Right on. So going through, what was the toughest team you ever played against? Could it be your rival or somebody else? Um, I would definitely say getting to like final four Merritt Island up in like Northern Florida. They were always like good competition like, throughout high school. All right. So the, you kind of mentioned earlier, toughest player you ever played against, not team, but just individual. Player. Um, Nobody stands out. You're like, we were so good. I didn't worry about that. You know, there was a defender that was a thorn in your side. I don't know. I wouldn't give too much credit. If anything, I think I think I a player it. I think a player that would stand out. I can't think of names individually, I'll be honest, but definitely goalkeepers stand out to me. Like I actually give so much credit to them, like being back there. But yeah. That's so if I, if we were interviewing somebody that you played against in high school, would they drop you would they name drop you? Like, oh I remember Taylor. I bet they would, yeah. Ah, I love it. I love it. So, dropping promos just like right here on her. Like, that's what I'm talking herself. about. I love it. That's what I love. This is my kind of guest already. So tell me, what was better for your development, high school or club team? Um, I would say club, but my high school team did have seven of the girls that were on my club team. So I feel just going to high school with them, playing yeah. soccer with them in high school and club, you just got that cohesion on and off the field. And I would definitely say, like, what is that? Like, our chemistry is so strong. Like, those are probably some of my best friends. Yeah, it reminds me of this show. Chemistry is just so strong. <laughs> so when did you kind of know you're, you're, at, you're, you're bringing up, you know, you started as a freshman. So obviously you knew at a young age that you could play at the next level. But was there like an aha moment where you were like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it at the highest level. Um, I would say definitely watching older teams from my club, watching them play, seeing where they went. Then also, I can't think of which tournament it was, but like probably early freshman year, we started playing in like out-of-state tournaments and you would see like the sidelines filled up with college coaches and it would just like, it all felt real in that moment. Just like, wow, like this is actually happening. I'm a freshman in high school and we're getting recruited. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what that's like, Taylor. I'm going to be honest with you. But <laughs> listen, so I, I obviously looked up. We did a little research here. And uh, I got to ask you a question. You scored a lot of goals, had a lot of assists in your time. What's, what do you like better, goals or assists? 
Um, I'll be honest, in high school, I definitely liked having assists. I liked being that person. I wasn't really that selfish. But I would say now in college, I want to be goal hungry. Like, I want to find the back of the net. So I would say definitely scoring is a better feeling now. But having assists is nice. You see, we were on the same page until you said you weren't that selfish, and then you kind of lost me there. And I'm all about scoring myself. But um, so what you talked about recruiting, and you it was filled up with silence. So what take us through uh, what that process was like and what it looks like to get recruited. So I know the recruiting has changed over the years, though, like since I have been recruited. But back in the day, um, coaches could contact you. Once you were a freshman in high school, they went through your coaches, then your coach went to you, gave them the phone number, and then it was on it was on you to make that phone call. So it was pretty much just calling your coaches and seeing what they had to say, you seeing what you had to say, see if you had interest, and then taking visits on officials at that point, and then seeing what was what. So give us your top three before you picked LSU. Um, or was it always LSU? LSU was in the top three for a while just because um, the old coach did recruit me pretty early. So I took that visit my freshman year, like early in my freshman year. And then unofficially, unofficial. Yes. Then I took other visits, but I'll be honest, I did. I kept comparing it back to LSU, but I would say in that top three was Ohio State and UF. So you ended up at LSU, but tell us why. I didn't want to stay in the state of Florida. I wanted to get out, but I didn't want to go too far. And then I just loved my visit to LSU. I just thought it was just, I just got that like sense of home when I was on campus. And then the food's amazing. I can't complain with the food at all. Um, the weather, I would compare it back to Florida. It's hot. Yeah, it is. Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned UF as being one because Randy will tell you we do not give Florida any credit around here. So the idea that you chose LSU over Florida just makes everybody on this podcast happy. What do you think, Randy? Yeah, I glossed right over and said UF. I was like, hey, next question, Taylor. <laughs> so we're definitely happy with that. So let me ask you, what was it like first day you stepped on campus at LSU? It was crazy. The campus is huge. There's so many people. And it, you could just tell it was an athletic school. Like just seeing where the soccer facility is, how it's right next to the softball stadium, how you can see the baseball stadium from our field, how football ops, the like training fields right there. From our field, you can literally see Tiger Stadium. So I don't know, it was just crazy. Yeah, my first college soccer game was in y'all stadium, and I had nothing to compare it with. And then I went and watched y'all at two other places, and I was like, oh, wow, LSU's really got it going on. Mm-hmm. So uh, talk to me about, you know, what a typical day looks like. And I know it's a different kind of year because of uh, the pandemic, but what's it look like academically and athletically for you right now? So right now um... – we practice in the morning, so pretty much wake up. It depends what time we wake up. Well, sometimes we would have COVID testing at like 6.30. 
Then we'd go to the locker room, get dressed for practice. Practice started at eight. So get a quick meal in right before practice, something like light. Then practice, depending if we had a game that weekend, we'd have film right after. Or we'd go to the weight room. It depended like what was happening. Then rush back to the dorms, shower, then get on, get on the computer for Zooms because all my classes were on, online. Some girls had it in person, just depending on like their major and all. But that was pretty much it. Classes, lunch. Let me tell you, you said weight room. Daniel, man, you should see their strength coach. She's intimidating, <laughs> bro. Like she she was telling them what to do after the game. And man, it was it was like military formation. They got in line. I was curious when, when she's mentioning that, like, Taylor, what does training look like? How long and what kinds of things are y'all doing in the in the weight room? So in the weight room or like on the field? In the weight room. Um, I would say the weight room would last like 30 minutes to an hour. It like depended on the day what we were doing. Um, my strength coach is really big on like stability, stability and everything, especially for our knees. Like, especially for me, I tore both ACLs like throughout my like playing career and all that. So I focus on like all that and like balance and everything. But in the weight room, a lot of, I don't know, I would say lower body, honestly. And she does want us to like get better at upper body. I do struggle with that. I would say like pull-ups, not my forte, but that's pretty much how we're Don't worry, me and Randy can't do pull-ups either. <laughs> so it's all good. We don't judge. Yeah. Um, but you don't you don't have to do pull ups to get a yellow card. Just saying. <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. So let me ask you, I gotta know, before we even get into the season, um, just starting first game, what did it feel like to don the purple and gold and put that uniform on? It was absolutely insane. Like it's such a pretty uniform and it just felt so real having like the emblem like on your path or on your shoulder or chest. But I don't, it was just crazy. And then lacing up and everything for that first game. I don't know. It was just such a surreal feeling. Yeah, no, you know, we talk about, you know, we can't imagine what it's like, but I, you know, especially being an LSU fan myself across the board in sports, just uh, imagining what it's like for you to, to put that uniform on and step on that field that first time. I imagine, I mean, it's just amazing feeling. So getting into the season, we know slow start to the season, but you got a new coach. You're a very young team. I mean, you yourself are a redshirt freshman. You know, talk us through, um, was, it, was it tough for you all to really find your footing to start the season? Um, yes and no. Just because last year, like my freshman year, we didn't have the best season. But we had an interim coach, so it was all new. Our old coach left halfway through um last spring or like the previous spring so it was just like all like new stuff it was all like a first then we got our whole new coaching staff this spring so like 2020 then COVID hit and then during halfway of spring and summer we were just pretty much at home on our own but our coaches were very big on like going through zooms and like making sure like we stayed in contact then we also had our whole um strength packet to get through and like fitness and everything so I would say we definitely built that team chemistry like early on then we all reported in the summer 
only thing is our international players came late in July, but then we all just got close and started up preseason in August. Yeah, it's one of those things since, you know, got to watch y'all play all year. And like I said, it was a slow start, but you could see the chemistry continue to build and build. And they always say it's not how you start and it's how you finish. And so with that, let's talk about that first win against Alabama. Um, talk us through that. I mean, what did, what did that feel like? It was just a great first start to the SEC tournament. And it was also great having that first win under our belt, just because it felt like we were getting cut like cut short throughout the season because we'd be up 1-0 and then let's say the other team would just tie it up and it was just we should have won a lot of our games throughout the season I would say I definitely felt we were the better team throughout but it just wasn't getting that like last step so getting that first win against Bama was definitely a good feeling. And so for those who may not know would you like to uh, share who scored the goals in that Bama game? Yes. So LSU won that game 2-0. I scored both goals. I scored the first one, I would say, like halfway throughout the first half. And then the second goal was, I think, like six, five, I don't know, seven or six. Yeah, there, the game was almost over. So you knew, you had to have known when you made that, y'all iced the game right there. <laughs> yeah. And so give me that feeling. What are, you, what are you feeling in that moment? You hit that goal and you know we got this thing in the bag. Yeah, so I got subbed in, like, late in that game, like, maybe, like, 10 minutes left. My assistant coach told me, she's like, Tay, if you're up there, if anything, just dribble to the corner flag, like, waste time. But, I don't know, I just got – it was such a pretty ball, like, through, and I I looked at where the keeper was. I looked at, like, the corner flag through the corner of my eye, and I was just like, no, like, I'm going for this. Like, what's the worst that can happen? The keeper was front post, so I was like, just try to aim back post, keep it low, and – it hit the back of the net, so it was just yeah, so cl clearly you made the right decision. So exactly, right, coach agree. Yeah, then she strutted off like Conor McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about all that, but I, I do love the way they celebrate. And, I, and you know, I, I watched that clip over and over again, Taylor. After y'all won, um, and the players coming from the sideline meeting y'all on the field. I mean, the excitement that came from y'all. And then, of course, y'all take that into the next game against Ole Miss. And and let me state that. The first game I saw y'all play in person was down in Baton Rouge against Ole Miss. And, you know, I felt like y'all were the better team that game. And, you know, obviously y'all lost one nothing, But, I mean, and that was a physical game. Like, I mean, I felt like there could have been a lot of yellow cards coming out. Are they, are they considered your rival? Let me ask you that. Um, I would definitely say they're up there, especially lot, or this past season. I would say so. Because you would have thought so, because, I mean, y'all y'all were doing some really uh, – some good shoulder checking, some shoving. There was a lot of trash talk and stuff. But I felt like y'all were better the first time. But you got a chance to redeem yourself, and that's where your second win came. Um, talk me through that feeling of getting, getting redemption on them and winning that second game in a row. So, it was just another good feeling. It was just getting back-to-back -back wins. We won that game in overtime. And you could just tell it was – we are – Pre-game talk with that game was make up for what we lost back at home. I would agree we were definitely that better team back in Baton Rouge. We were on their half majority of the game. So I feel we made up for it that game. And Do you remember how hot it was that day, by the way? By it chance. was hot. It was hot. Yeah. 
Like, I think, you know, Daniel and Randy aren't uh, big soccer fans like I am. They would have probably bounced on y'all because I was sweating so hard. And I wasn't running like y'all. I was – I mean, I paid for those $6.50 water bottles they were selling. <laughs> Whew, I don't know how you – I don't know how you did it. But um, let's talk about the season as a whole. You know, obviously y'all ended up um, losing in that next game. But did the season um, – how do you feel about meeting expectations as a team and for yourself personally? I would definitely say we made so much strides this past season, whether that was on the field, off the field, with the new coaching staff. We made so many strides. First we got – well, it was – Throughout the season, we first got our first goal, then we got our first tie, then we got our first win. So it was just, you felt that we were improving every week. And I would definitely say that's leading into this upcoming spring. We have a lot to prove and I feel we've turned a lot of heads this past season. So we're just gonna keep taking strides forward. Yeah, that, I mean, I definitely agree. I, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't bring this up. You know, you said that first tie. Daniel over there is not a big fan of the tie. He uh, he feels like it's uh, – how would you describe it, Daniel? Go ahead, go ahead and defend how you feel about it. I would rather lose than tie. Like, I, I feel slighted and I feel cheated <laughs> if, I, if I tie. Like, I want to win. If I don't win, then I want to lose, and I want to know, like, this is why I lost. But if you tie, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's okay. We'll just play a little bit better next time. I agree. I agree. But so you can I, see he struggles with it. He struggles yeah. with it. Yeah. I just don't like to lose. So to me, a tie is another loss. So mm -hmm. don't give me another option of losing. I'd rather just be a loss. Mm-hmm. But it's okay, Taylor. We're working on him. We're getting him to be a soccer fan, ties or not. Um, he's he's gonna start. He's gonna start to love it, whether there's ties or not. That that's what's holding him back right now. He says he can't can't handle the tie. But um, other than that Alabama game, because I know that'll be the obvious answer. What what was your favorite game that y'all played this season? Um. I'll be honest. I wasn't live streamed on the SEC Network, but when we played Alabama at home. In the rain? In the rain. That game got delayed till I think like 10 at night. And we came into the locker room because of like lightning delay down 2-0. Our coach ate us out because she was so mad. And we came back, scored two goals, tied it up 2-2. Two -two. Then um, it was pouring rain. The field was so slippery. There was They literally had to mop the field because the puddles were that bad. And I ended up getting a late assist that game. We were up 3-2, and then they ended up scoring. We went into overtime. It was 3-3. Then throughout the overtime, just kept it at 3-3. But there was, I would say, we did mean to win that game. The refs called an offside goal on us, so it should have been 4-3 us, but things happen. Yeah, yeah, That's Jim's said, new rant right there. Yeah, there yeah, you go. I'm going to get on the refs. But, yeah, no, me and my daughter actually went to watch that game. They advertised on Instagram that y'all were going to be on SEC Network, and then we went to do it, uh, to watch it, and it was like uh, Tennessee Vanderbilt or something. I was like, hold up. And so, yeah, we didn't get to see it. And so then I seen that y'all were in a rain delay, and like you said, you were down 2 nothing. 
And then mm -hmm. I just kind of really didn't pay attention much after that. And then I seen y'all tied 3-3, and I was like, wow, I got to miss an amazing game in the rain. So, wasn't happy about that. But uh, what's going on? Let's talk about going into next season. So, are y'all already preparing? Are y'all already at work getting ready for next season? Yeah, individually, I'd say we all are, fitness-wise and technically. Like, we all pretty much had our own individual meeting on, like, what we need to work on, what we need to just keep getting better at. So I would say I'm at home now. I'm going to the field pretty much, I'd say, like, every other day. And I feel other days I'm going to the beach with friends. But, like, it's still, like, the girls I'm going with are other athletes. So we're always, like, pushing each other to, like, be better. So it's, like, running in the sand. Just, like, anything you can do just because why not. But it's pretty much just working on technical ability, coming back better, being better than last year. Sounds good. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna end on this question, and this question is very important. And you know, we talked a little about a little bit about this before the episode. You know, my daughter being a 14 year old soccer player, her and her friends are gonna listen to this. They've been paying attention to not only college soccer, but specifically, um, you know, Sarah Fuller and her story. Let me ask you, as a strong female athlete yourself, to see somebody who plays your sport to be able to cross over and to do something that's never been done and just, you know, show that women have the potential to, to do anything they put their mind to. How did, how did that make you feel uh, personally? And how did, how did you feel that Sarah was able to accomplish that? I thought it was an amazing opportunity for her. I thought she got to show her skills and athleticism as a female athlete. And it pretty much just showed like, you can do anything you want. You can put, you can do anything, nothing's impossible. Anything a guy can do, you can do, and probably 10 times better and look better at it. So I agree with everything you just said. I don't know. I just definitely think it was an amazing, like, few weeks for her. She won an SEC tournament on a Sunday. Then that following Saturday, she was playing in an SEC college football game. So I give her all props. I would definitely say she's someone I look up to, and I feel she's so strong for doing that. You've been calling Coach O? Tell him you're available? Yeah. <laughs> One of our um, – Actually, one of our football strength coaches, I, like, put Sarah Fuller's, like, thing on my um, Instagram story, and he swiped up, and he's like, you're next. And I was just like, LOL, no. You know, there is someone I believe in in the in the games that I watched, and we talked about Ole Miss. The Ole Miss goalie, I believe, could kick a 50-yard field goal, no doubt. That girl, when when y'all were playing each other, when she would kick a goal kick, it would go all the way down to y'all's goal. Yeah. Yeah. So so have you kicked a football? Um, I definitely have, but like I've punted a football. I'll be honest, I've never kicked it off what is it, the tee. I've never kicked it off of a tee. I feel if anything though, all right, I'm not a keeper like she is. She, her like she's always kicking it up. I'm like trying to get it in the back of the net. So I feel if I were to kick a football it would be like driven. So I feel if I even tried like I'd get blocked. So she's perfect for the onside kick, fellas. Mm -hmm. There you go. Just hit somebody right in the forehead with it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have a couple questions before we get into our game and let you run um, in regards to off season. So what, you know, right now I'm assuming you guys are on some type of winter break. Um, are you on campus? Are you off campus? Will they let you leave? Um, so I'm at home, but some girls are on campus and they just had to get tested and cleared like through LSU and they're actually training with our strength coach in our weight room in the indoor facility, like doing running and everything. Uh, 
I report back early January. And then I think depending on like what the NCAA decides, as of right now, we're supposed to start up with practices early February. And so what, what will training look like if everything is, you know, cleared and you guys are good to go? What does training look like and what's considered, I guess, off season for you guys? Um, definitely getting stronger in the weight room for sure. And then on the field, technically and tactically getting back in sync with everyone. Um, we're definitely aiming to like, I know we have technical tests set up for all of us. We have it like position based. So it's just to see, we did it at the beginning of fall semester. So it's pretty much see how you've, where you've come and like how you've improved and just to see where we're all at. Gotcha. So what is, what is that, that session and that test look like? Is it you doing work on the field or is it, you know, strength and field work? It would be both like in the weight room. I know we have like, we will we'll run the man United. It's like a test. And then we also have the beep test that we would run uh, on the field for me as a forward, I would have like a finishing drill, a striking drill from like outside, like the 18 yard box. Um, and then also like pretty much just like controlling like an, like, chip ball, aerial ball, like to me with my back towards school. Gotcha. So is there virtual learning? Is it face-to-face -face learning or you guys are still up in the air about this, this next uh, semester when you guys go back? I think it's still up in the air. When I did my schedule with my advisor, we just set for like all my classes be online just because like, I'll be honest, I didn't struggle with it. I made time to like study and like also be able to like focus on like soccer and everything making sure i'm actually getting to bed at like a decent hour so as of right now my classes are all online but i don't know if we'll be able to go back in person yet so last question before we jump to our game so what do you do for fun like with covid like the college atmosphere can't be the same as it was so what can you guys do for fun outside of just being on the field with each other, working out and practicing? Yeah, I would definitely say we are only in like our like soccer bubble, but we play a lot of we, I'll be honest. We do a lot of just dance. Um, we'll sometimes go to Top Golf. Um, with its main event, there's a place like, it's like arcade. Yeah, we have one of those. Yeah. We it's don't have a top golf though, so I'm pretty jealous about that. Y'all need that top golf, man. That's where it's at. We're all competitive though, so anything we can do to beat each other. So hey, go. I got I got a question for you since you know you're not getting to go out right now, but when you do get to go back out, um, since I follow your entire team on Instagram and see y'all's posts or whatever, would you say you're the best dressed when y'all get to go out? Um I see you don't. When you go out, you I, I see you make sure you always look nice. So that's why I asked. You could tell by her facial expression right there. The answer is yes. No, no but I'll be honest. From the states, yes. But then uh -huh. there are like some of our foreign players. They have drip. I would say they have drip. Ah, oh, drip. If there was a best dressed between the three hosts, I mean, 
We 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 know it's not Jim. Jim's he's comfortable. That guy he's he's practicality. That's what he is. <laughs> hey, he he ain't lying. It's it's basketball shorts even during the winter. Let's go. Mm-hmm. All right, Taylor, you ready to play a game before we get you out of here? Yep. All right, it's a game we play with all of our guests. It's called this or that. I give you two options. The only rules you can't say both and you can't say neither. And for for. Like, don't overthink it. Just straightforward. Don't give, you know, don't ask for scenarios because we've had some folks on here that have, like, jacked up this fun game because they want to dig deeper and get a whole narrative about each question. So, um, but we just want to get the lighter side of Taylor and, and, and see, you know, what you're like. So, you ready? Yep. All right. Would you rather play terrible, and that could be you and the team, and tie, or would you rather play amazing and lose? <laughs> I think I'd rather play terrible and get a tie. Ugh. I know. I knew you were going to react <laughs> it's, it's, like it's that. It's the right yeah. answer, Taylor. Don't worry about him. I knew it. That's, how is that the right answer? Please tell me. How we, get a, we get a point out of it. We get a point out of it, and we move forward. And we do better. Daniel, that's an important note because, you know, you do watch hockey. They do get points for ties and as far as standing, so it ma- that does matter. That has always been a point of contention. He likes hockey, but he doesn't like soccer. I just don't know about this. It's Wait, not- Dan, I actually have a – you would rather play amazing and lose? Like, I thought that's- you'd hate losing, though. Thank you, Taylor. Oh, like, yes. I would mean? rather play amazing and lose because – I don't want to play amazing and know that I gave all my effort to a tie. That wasn't your question, though. But question that, was, that's my that's my reasoning. Uh, remember, boy, I don't think I've seen Daniel get worked over like this. Remember when I was giving you the rules of this game? I said, "Don't overthink <laughs> it," and I didn't think I, I don't had think to she think. did. I think you have overthought this. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. All right. Needless to say, I would rather lose than tie. That's how much I hate ties. I don't care if you get 30 points. Well, if we're scoring that when I'm giving it to Taylor, that was not a tie. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> she can have it. She can win all of these. That's fine. Um, would you rather eat rice and plantains or would you rather have gumbo? Rice and plantains. Oh. I, had a, I had a feeling it was – see? See, that South Florida kicking in. No, I'm also Puerto Rican. That's what's kicking you. There you go. That's it. Makes sense. All right. Would you rather have, if you had to have one of these and take COVID and the mask wearing out of it, would you rather have bad breath or would you rather have bad hair? Bad hair. Definitely bad hair. All right. Along the lines of bad breath. So I was looking on social media and on Instagram. Who brushes their teeth better? Do you brush your boyfriend's teeth better, or does he brush his own teeth better? I wait. <laughs> What's the question? <laughs> so I, I saw. I'll give you some some background. Yeah. I saw an Instagram video of you and your boyfriend, and you were brushing his teeth. So my question is: Is does he brush his own teeth better, or do you brush his teeth better? He brushes his teeth better. <laughs> She's blushing. Look at her. That's funny. I didn't expect that. 
Would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future? She'd rather go back 30 seconds before you ask that question. <laughs> no, honestly, I think I would go to the future. I don't want to go back in time. Gotcha. So if you were going to go on a date, would you rather someone slide into the DMs or ask you face to face? No, ask me face to face. I like tradition and everything. Okay. All right, here's the last question. It's the money question. And this is the question that lets us know what kind of person you are. Would you rather have money or would you rather have friends? Friends. I think friends create memories and money doesn't bring happiness. Randy. Is is she right or wrong? Uh, Taylor, somebody that spent a lot of my life uh, being broke, money absolutely does buy you happiness. <laughs> but you I'm know just, what? Hey, she did say friends bring memories. Usually she did. just say friends and don't give a reason. She had a great reason. Um, and I'm not going to get – hey, look, I don't want to battle Taylor on this because I saw the battle with TP. So yeah. if, you say, if you say friends, I'll, you know, whatever. It's fine. You can – friends. I'm choosing money over these guys. Okay. I can tell you this, though. We're going to have you back on, and I'm going to be ready for this tie question because I wasn't – I'm usually the one asking questions and writing the questions, and I never write questions for myself. So, if you will, we would love to have you back on. And that maybe at the you know start of next season when you guys are getting prepped up um, or, you know, summertime when you got some things getting ready to roll out. But you down for that? That would be great. I'd love yeah. that. Definitely going to bring her back after they win that SEC uh, championship next year. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for being on here. We're going to let you bounce and go do what college kids do. Go brush your teeth, brush your boyfriend's teeth. Uh, Bachelorette. Oh, okay. Give some roses out. I see you. So um, please come back. And if there's anything we can do for you in the future, just let us know if there's anything that you want to plug and promote. Now is your chance social media anything um i just want to say um i'm excited for our upcoming spring season and i would love for you guys to be there or to be watching on the sec network we're definitely going to be turning heads again and uh follow me on all my social media it's taylor Dobles underscore 17 and as always go tigers it's Taylor Dobles, everybody. We're going to take a break when we come back. Randy's going to make you rich. Jim's going to blow his whistle. I'm going to give my That's What's Up award for the week, and we're going to sprinkle in a few headlines for you. Yeah. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. Guys, we're going to lead off with the NBA. Randy, I'll start with you. Grizzlies went 3-1 and one in the preseason, and the Lakers went 4-0. What is more surprising? I mean, the easy answer is the Grizzlies going three and one should have been four and zero. Oh. Uh, what I have been saying on this podcast and is that the Pelicans are the rivalry, the budding rivalry. But Trey Young, let me talk to you, young fella. Why you want to be dirty like that? You know, and Grayson Allen, you're known for being dirty, and you didn't do nothing back, man. We got to come back at these fools. But shout out to Dylan Brooks for having your guys back, and uh, you know, a big thumbs down to Trey Young for the dirty play pushing my man like that. Let's go, Grizz. Yeah, bump Trey Young. Bump that dude. Can't have it. Nope. 
Jim, Tuesday night is opening night, and you got two games. You got the Warriors and the Nets and the Clippers and the Lakers. Is it possible that we're looking at the NBA champions playing on Tuesday night? Um, it's a very good possibility. I mean, we're definitely looking at, you know, easily four of the, I don't know, maybe top six, seven teams. Um, but I think what I'm most interested in, obviously from a, from a Warriors standpoint, though, is and, and Randy might agree with this. I want to see how Ubre fits in um, because you know they lost Clay and he has a chance. I mean, he was really doing well in Phoenix, and so I'd like to see what he does alongside um, Curry. Obviously, the one down point is we're not going to get to see Wiseman, which was something um, you know whether no matter how you felt about him with the whole Memphis thing, did want to see how he did on the NBA floor. We will eventually, but not out the gate. Randy, um, college football is ending, but the NBA season is, is just getting geared up. Are you, is there anything in the NBA season right now that you're looking forward to or you need some time to get in the season and get some football out of the way before you get excited about it? No, I'm excited. It seems like the NBA season just ended because it, well, it did. But uh, what I'm most excited about, obviously, easy answer here locally for me is the Grizzlies. I'm excited to see the young core. Uh, but from a broad standpoint, I really want to see uh, the best basketball player in the world, Kevin Durant, and what he does with the Nets. I want to see that. Obviously, I want to see what him and Kyrie do together. I think they have some really nice pieces other than just those two. It could be uh, the most complete team that Durant's been on. Other than We're not even going to talk about the Warriors because, I mean, we know the star-studded power. Uh, but – that it changes the dynamic in the East, making the Nets an immediate contender. And, and you I mean, know they, as well as I do that the other players too. It's not like it's yeah. just those two guys. No, they got it. They have a up and down. I mean, they even got a little Memphis tie. You know, so uh, I think that's that's something I'm looking forward to. The Lakers, obviously, they're stacked. We know that. I'm looking forward to seeing, like Jim said, the Warriors, what they're going to look like. And the West, my goodness, it's so stacked. I mean, you're you're 11, 12 teams deep, and that's that's not maybe more. You know, you can never count. Everybody's writing the Spurs off already, and I don't think that's wise when they got the best coach to ever do it. Yeah, the Grizzlies open up with the Spurs, so, I mean. We'll, that's a dub. They might go 82-0. Randy, the, the According team Jaws, we come get some. Randy, hey, the, in, go, go ahead, ahead. sorry. No, in, in the preseason, Ja was the league's – best plus 79 we, we talk about plus and minus a lot Jim and I do plus uh, it's just preseason but the way that Ja controlled the game and you know it's people say that it's just preseason but in the NBA it's a lot different than the NFL and the fact that you're actually playing the, the best players and you're doing some things you wouldn't do but you're it's not like the bench is all playing I mean everybody the stars are playing absolutely Joe what was, what, yeah what I was going to ask was to either y'all really do you know we obviously look to the progression of Memphis and to to Phoenix and, you know, New Orleans. But what I want to know from you guys is, do you think Dallas is going to take that next step? Oh, a absolutely. It's always – with them, it's health, right? It's, it's can Porzingis stay healthy for the entire season and the playoffs. I mean, we thought we had finally seen it last year, then he gets hurt. So, yes, I do think – So, if Dallas they stay healthy, would you predict them to be a top four in the West? Fringe, yeah, I think top four, top five right there. I mean, it's it's another one of those years, I think. If you're a top if you're a top four, really you're a, like let's say you're a three. We all know that anywhere from three to eight is what, one or two games better than each other, if right. that. So 
I think the West is going to be such a log jam. I think, you know, the Lakers and probably the Clippers are going to put themselves ahead of everybody. And that's just right now on paper what you're looking at. But, I mean, you've got the Mavericks right there. You've got the Jazz. You've got Golden State. You know, I I don't think Houston is going to be much of anything. Um, But I'm interested to see, like, teams like Denver. What what are they going to do? So, the Suns are um, definitely, you know, after the way Chris Paul played last year, putting them alongside Booker, that's interesting. Hey, Absolutely. one thing that you said to look forward to, I was actually looking it up before, they're only giving the Grizzlies a 15% chance to make the playoffs, even as the eight seed, and they got the Pelicans with a 60% chance. So that's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most is seeing how that shakes out. I just hope we work them every time we play them. Every time. You know, last year it wasn't it was not a good record. No. I agree. Can't wait to see it. It's a new year. So is it is it too early to give a prediction? Like can we give a, a finals prediction? Jim, who you got in the east, who you got in the west? Uh the two most historic teams. Um I'm gonna pick the Celtics again and I mean I would have to be a reject to not pick the Lakers there. I mean they I mean I just, I'm not, I'm not happy at all. We talked about this already. I'm not happy at all. They were able to acquire what they did in the off season with what they already had. It's, it almost feels unfair. Randy, what about you? Who you got in the East? Who you got in the West as of today before any games have been played? Obviously health is the, uh, the main argument here, but I got to go with the Nets in the East and Judging off everything we saw last year and everything we know they got in the off season, I think the Lakers got substantially better getting Trez. Uh, that that's that alone right there. You know, you got AD, you got LeBron. You know, losing Rondo, we talked about this a lot. Playoff Rondo is a real thing. I know Jim, he was pretty salty about it last year when we talked about it. But, I mean, him leaving does hurt. But then you pick up, you know, six man of the year. My, my goodness, the rich get richer. Is there any way, Jim, that you see the Lakers not being in the finals? I mean, yeah, because you just talked about how loaded the West is. But, I mean, the biggest thing would be it's always a war of attrition in all sports. And I feel like basketball probably more than any, um, you know, LeBron or AD goes down. I mean, then, yeah, the the door opens a little bit. So, um, definitely wouldn't call it a lock. And I would love to see somebody, and I don't want it to even be the Clippers. I'd love to see any of those other teams that we've been talking about whether it's a whether it's a Dallas, a Memphis, a Phoenix, I'd like to see somebody new at the top. Jim, let me ask you a question. We know what we think about LeBron. Uh, not not I'm not talking about whether you like him or not. Has anybody ever avoided injury better than him and played this great late in their career? No, and and the thing is, you know, ignorance ignorant people would say it's luck, but we know it's the physical conditioning he puts in no one trains harder than that guy and that has played a role in him being able to maintain himself yeah the guy spends over was it a million and a half dollars a year just in his physical and that's not just going in the weight room and lifting weights it's a regiment you're right the discipline that he's shown for the last what 18 years is incredible i don't he know was, that we'll ever he was see working out a week that he should, he had videos of him working out a week after they won the finals I agree. And a lot of people, you, you get caught up whether you like the guy or not, but what he's done is historic. I mean, we know we, we know what Michael Jordan, we know he's the greatest. That's not a debate for this podcast. But what we do know is the guy was also gambling until 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning, smoking cigars and doing what he does. LeBron, by all accounts, is disciplined in his regiment, and the guy has just – he's unbelievable. So how long do you think he could play? As long as he wants. 
So, you know, I, I look at it like this, you know, I think back on the way the year ended and the heat were the, like they were playing really well. Randy, you're a heat guy. Is there any way that we can see the heat back in the finals or do they, are they missing something? I don't know that they're missing anything. They kind of – what they have right now is heat culture, right? It's toughness. It's Jimmy Butler's the perfect person to be a superstar for Pat Riley. Um, but I, I don't – I think what they – they caught lightning in a bottle, and they really – they out-tough the Celtics. They are tougher than the Celtics. I, you know, a, a better team up and down. I, I mean, we argued that, you know, during the bubble. I was never arguing that the Heat were a better team than the Celtics. I, I was saying they punked them. And I think they can do that again now. Where you're not going to punk the Nets, though. If Kevin Durant and Kyrie are healthy, along with the other guys with Prince and all those other – you're not punking that team, man. So, they're, they're way more talented at the end of the day. It's Jimmy's and Joe's over X's and O's. So, give me the Nets. Jim, I'll, I'll end NBA with this. Who has a better record this year and who, who finishes better, the Bucks or the 76ers? Sixers with a new coach. Bucks locked down their guy long-term. I mean, I'm definitely going to say the Bucks, And, I mean, and they improved. The thing about the Sixers is we don't know, you know, there's so much speculation that there might be a trade for James Harden to go there. I don't even know what the Sixers may look like here in a week or two. I agree. And let me add something to that. And we, we talked about on the show, and, and I've been a huge fan. The Under the radar, Drew Holiday going to the Bucks. Everybody said that they fleeced him. No, dude. That guy is probably the most underrated player in the league, and he gives them a dynamic that they did not have. He takes a lot of pressure off Giannis. He can guard a lot of positions, even in his position. And also, we talked about it a lot. The 76ers are just – they're just a bunch of dudes. Like, they're talented, but they're just a bunch of dudes. What's the direction? What do you want to do? What's your identity? Sounds like Memphis basketball to a T. Speaking of that, let's transition into college basketball, and we'll, we'll go ahead and start with Memphis. Jim – Memphis drops uh, their second – well, they, they dropped the, a conference game, their first conference loss of the year, their second conference game total this year, and they scored 46 points. Like, whoa. What is the problem? Well, I'll say this. When you only score that many points, it really looks bad as a coach – because I've listened to Penny in multiple interviews recently say it's all about defense, it's all about defense, it'll create offense. Um, that's clearly not happening. And, I mean, I think we've, we've talked about this enough times. There needs to be somebody on that bench who is doing the X's and O's, right? Uh, it's, it's clear. The, the offense just isn't getting any better, and you have so much talent. So, I mean, it's – it's pretty. It's pretty upsetting to see what we're seeing. It's. It should be so much better than this. And for any Tiger fans that are that are frustrated, they they rightfully should be. And they got to figure it out and figure it out soon. Yeah, I mean, defense tonight wasn't the issue. They held Tulsa to fifty six points. Like if you if you told a coach that the opposing team was going to only score fifty six points tonight, you would probably say, "Well, we're going to win the game no matter what." Um, but yeah, the, the defense playing well, isn't doing anything for the offense. And I don't know if it's X's and O's. I don't know if it's Jimmy's and Joe's, but what I can tell you is that now that Penny is locked in for five years for 12 and a half, he's going to have to start earning that 12 and a half because 
tomorrow is going to be a brutal day and it's probably going to be the toughest day that he's had as the Memphis basketball coach. Well, how shocked were I mean, cause I was shocked when I saw it. How shocked were you when you saw that already, especially with the results that have been gotten? Um, you know, I think, so there's two things. First thing I'm, I'm not shocked because he he's getting the players that he says he's going to get. Um, and secondly, who out there can you get that's better? No, I mean, you can't, um, but I don't know, Randy, here's the question. And this is what they talk about on the radio all the time. Who does it? Cause it is an X's and O's thing in my opinion. Who does he need beside him? Who? I don't know, man. I, you know, I've, I've gone through this list before. I think more than just the X's and O's, I think there's a, a – man, I love – people that are listening, I know they're Memphis fans. I love Penny Hardaway, and I want everybody to understand that the $12.5 million is a bargain still. I don't care what the result was tonight. You are paying him $2.5 million. It is worth every penny. He could get double that given his market value. That is not what we're talking about tonight. What we're talking about tonight is the fact that you're getting these names, but like when Penny was playing for Larry, it wasn't about just getting all the big name guys. It's about getting guys that can work together for the common goal. And I just don't know that we have that right now. Who's the leader? You guys tell me who's the leader on this team? Because right now what it looks like to me is the leaders are the transfers coming in. And I don't know that that's, a, that's not your key to success or your leader is a guy. Let's be fair. That maybe doesn't even need to be playing in Alo. Well, your your leaders is, is DeAndre Williams, who is, by all accounts, the oldest guy in college basketball. He's older than half the Grizzlies roster. Yeah, like he, but he, you can tell like vocally and performance wise, those guys, it's like they need him to do something in order for them to feel like they have to do something. But the caliber of players that are recruited into the school they have to start living up to that expectation. And I don't know if it's because they're over, like they're over projected coming in or they're not being developed. So. Well, they, you can't, I hear what you're saying on the over projected, but every single, you can't miss on every single one of them. Right. Every single one. You're right. Like we saw these kids, they were stars before they came in. Um, so I don't think you miss on all of them. I just think. And when I say culture, I don't mean like Penny's lost the locker room. That's not what I mean. I mean your identity more than your culture. Well, well I'll tell you this, guys. I, I was pulling up the box score for tonight, and I was – man, I was like looking at the shots, and I was like, where where are all the shots? I didn't even see that many shots. So, you knew exactly where I went. I went to team stats, and there it was, 20 turnovers, and that and that's the difference. And 47% from the free throw line. The bun, the gimmies, the gimmies. You shot under 50% from the free throw line. It. And, you know, this isn't something – Penny knows all this. Like, this guy, he knows basketball. So, I've already been looking as we've been sitting here talking at social media, and I've already read three different Tiger fans that I'm not even going to give their names out because they don't even deserve the clout, saying Penny's the worst coach we've ever had. I mean, come on, man. Come oh, on. Lord. The guy doesn't know basketball. He can, Come on, man. Like, that's that's silly. That's just silly. But let's, let's move on. Randy – UT's 4-0, but have they been challenged yet? To me, they haven't, and, and I feel like they're, they're going to in a couple of weeks, but you tell me, are, are the Vols 
being challenged in any kind of way right now, or that's that's coming up down the future in the future. Yeah, it's coming up. I hate that we missed out on the Gonzaga game. Uh, you know, I don't mean we as in like I'm a Tennessee player. I mean we as in the the, the fan base looking at it because uh, I think that would have been a great Gonzaga by all accounts is the best team in college basketball. Uh, they probably won't get tested again the rest of the season, so that would have been a great game to see. Tennessee plays a familiar foe in a couple weeks. That'll be their first challenge as far as on the court. But right now, they're doing what you're supposed to do. They're, they're killing teams by 50 and 60 points. Uh, you know, they had a couple of rough games where they shot bad, and, you know, people were already saying, well, well, maybe this team can't shoot. Maybe they can only defend. And what you've seen since then is Rick Barnes woke them up. They started having an identity. And it's not just defense. Those guys are hitting shots. They're not shooting lights out. But what they're doing – is putting absolute pressure from – you can't leave anybody open. If you try to double Jaden Springer, he's kicking it over. They're making the right basketball play, uh, and it's good to see. And when they play Missouri in a couple weeks, they, they see Quanzo Martin again, who I always thought got the raw end of the deal at Tennessee after a lot of success. I hated the way the fan base treated him. Uh, so I always have a kind of soft spot for him. And I think that his team is going to be just like him. They're going to be tough as hell, and that's going to be a battle. I just think that Tennessee's a lot more. I've never seen a Tennessee team um, top to bottom, one through ten, this talented. they got five stars coming off the bench. And the key that I've always will say about Calipari, if you can get a five-star to play hard, you're, you're doing your job as a coach. And Rick Barnes is doing that right now. Well, and I'll say this, Randy. To your point, look at the top teams who are not uh, beating the teams they should be. So, like you said, you got to be happy with taking care of business and not only beating those teams, but handling them. And I do want to give you a shout out because I sat there and said, Kentucky will get it together because Cal usually does no matter what. And then, man, here they are and it's getting worse. And so you were right. You said they were a bad team. And I, and I just because historically I, I refuse to believe it. Yeah, well. And I mentioned on the podcast, when you only bring back one player that averaged five points a game, it's just a, a tough sled. Everybody wants to point out that Cal has to rebuild a lot, and that's true, but he's never had to rebuild like this, especially when the, the key to making your team better is your preseason preparation that these guys did not get. So, Jim, I'll ask you, Gonzaga, number one team in the country, just beat the number three team, Iowa, and I mean, definitively, I mean, I think it was 11 or 12 point win, um, but they have a test against number 16, Virginia. And then after that, like it's nobody. And is it possible that Gonzaga doesn't lose a game? Yeah, I think it's very possible. And Virginia has looked flawed. And like you said, they looked good against Iowa, but I don't think that's the, the question. Randy has brought it up before. Gonzaga is good about getting to the tournament and getting to, you know, Sweet 16, Elite A, Final Four, but they don't get past there. And so I'm not really worried about if they go undefeated the regular season. I'm worried about if they finally get it done at the end when it matters. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, Mark Few, that's that's his his Achilles heel is winning it all. That's the, the only thing that he's left to do, so – uh, I think he's got a great team. He's They're beating really good teams, and they're not afraid to play people. Um, and I guess looking at what they have left, they almost have to front-load their schedule 
um, with some really tough competition. Well, I think we all said that, you know, if it's, if it's not our teams, if it's not Memphis or Tennessee, that's, I mean, that's who we'd like to see. We'd like to see um, Mark Few get it done. He, he deserves it his, and, you know, his team for that matter. Absolutely. But, you know, we'll, we'll see because I think we're in the thick of conference play and if they haven't started conference play, they will soon and it'll be over in a blink of an eye and, you know, we'll see who's still standing. Well, you know, St. Mary's is going to is supposed to be their their toughest uh, contest always, and and Memphis and Memphis handled them, but then can't beat anybody else. So that doesn't speak well for that conference. Well, what's silly is the only loss St. Mary's has all year is to Memphis. So, which is just just. So did we play our best game, or did they play their worst game? That's the question. <laughs> oh, we played our best game, and a hundred percent, because I haven't seen anything close to that since. And St. Mary's is is a well coached team. They may not be talent wise, but they're not they're not dummies on X's and O's, and they're gonna create matchups for their guys that are gonna put them in positions to play well. I think Memphis did a good job of of playing them. And I mean, when you get guys that come out the gates and they score twenty plus points and you know have good games, like it, it matters. But we're not seeing that at all right now. Um, but moving on to NFL, it was a big weekend, you know, and I'll start with you, Jim. Your your Saints um, started slow, brought it on. Inevitably, they lost, though, to the Chiefs. But it is what do you take away from this loss? Well, let me start by admittedly telling anybody listening the text that I was sending um, you guys, and I was ready to, to go ahead and pull Drew Brees after that, the first three series, 0 for 7 through the pick. And I was like, man, um, he was not ready to come back. And clearly he just had to shake the rust off. So um, it didn't help putting ourselves in a hole early. But I think what I take away um, from, from a, you know, kind of an excuse side of things, um, we were missing three of our top four receivers. Um, so it's hard for Drew to have anybody to throw to. And then um, we were losing players throughout the game. We lost our starting left tackle. We lost our starting safety lost our defensive end, and we still managed to hold our own and only lose by three. What, what I really take away is the thing that I told y'all going into that game. I really wanted to see if our defense was as good as they had been all season. They really just had that one mess up against um, Philly last week, and I think maybe the Jalen Hurts look might have messed them up. And then, of course, if you see what Jalen did this weekend, um, he might be something special. Who knows? But um, – I have not seen anyone get that kind of pressure on on Patrick Mahomes, and I think that guy that game also solidified how good that guy was because they had him running for his life, and he was still making throws that just don't make sense to me. I don't know how he does it, and it's the reason why they're the scariest team in football. Yes, they have all the weapons, but it's it's he still is the one that's creating and making it happen, and so. Saints were after him. They sacked him four times. They were hitting him, but he was still just finding a way. But I'm proud of the Saints for the game that they played, and uh, I still believe the Chiefs right now are currently the best team in the team to beat. What about the Colts? I feel like the Colts are, are ten wins, man. That's saying something, Randy. I don't, I don't know projection wise if you thought they were gonna I think you you wanted you knew they were gonna be in the playoffs but I don't know if you projected them to have 10 wins oh they, yeah yeah I did DB it was you that was the hater on the Colts. you're you're right I did hate on the Colts but 
Um, get, given their win, they got two games left, one at the Steelers, one at the Jaguars. What? And if you look at tonight's score of the Steelers-Bengals game, it looks like that Steelers-Colts game, the Colts, that's a winnable game. Um, and the Jaguars are doing everything in their power to lock up Trevor Lawrence, so I don't foresee them putting anything on the field uh, in that last game. So 12 wins, a possibility, 11 probably a certainty but does that give them enough to win the division um fortunately probably not you know the titans well you know what yeah they're gonna titans choke. got green bay this week don't they yeah, the titans titans are gonna choke it away colts are gonna they're gonna beat the steelers no matter what the outcome of the game was tonight but uh just another a grinded out win you know they i've said it again i'm gonna repeat myself like a broken record philip rivers playing mistake free football the Colts are super. They can win, They can beat anybody. Not name the Chiefs. There's. I mean, that is what it is. The defense uh, had some holes yesterday, um, but they made plays when it mattered. They had another fumble against the Texans that sealed the game. Um, they were a bend but don't break. The the Texans had four red zone chances and only scored on one of them. That's what you want as a defense. They're still in the top five to seven in total defense. Phillip Rivers, he was good but not great. And they don't need him to be great. They don't need him to be Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck. They need him to not lose games. And he actually engineered the drive that won the game with the pass to Zach Pascal as well. So, shout out to Phillip Rivers and all 11 children. You, you, you say that the Colts could beat every, anybody but the Chiefs. But I think if there's a team that can beat the Chiefs, it is the Colts. I think defense yeah. can, beat, can beat the Chiefs. Well, I say that, too, because of speed. The Saints proved it. The Colts are fast as shit on defense. That's what you have to be against Patrick Mahomes. But one thing that I will say, and it's not to argue with Jim, but is this. What it showed me yesterday was as good as the Saints game plan one, as good as they played, that's how scary – and you did touch on this, but that's how scary Patrick Mahomes is. I don't care what your game plan – we saw it against the 49ers. They shut the dude down for, what, a quarter, quarter and a half? What do you do to beat this guy? I think if – to me, I think the Colts and somebody like the Titans, teams that can play some defense but can run the football, your best chance of winning is keeping Mahomes off the field. So if you can run the football and run it well, you give yourself an opportunity to keep him on the sidelines watching the game. So well, I got to tell you about one other team, Daniel, because if Randy's Colts do in fact beat the Steelers next week and the Bengals hold on against the Steelers, guess what? Week 17, assuming the Browns beat the Jets next week because the Jets don't need to win any more games or they're going to screw themselves. They already did. They already did. Right, but they they definitely don't need to win again. So, it's at Cleveland next week. So, if Randy's Colts do take care of business, that will leave the opportunity, the opportunity that no one would have ever thought. I said they'd be in the playoffs. Not even I said they would win the North. They would have an opportunity in week 17 to win the North if they were to beat Pittsburgh. That's crazy. Yeah, and the the Bucks have a, still have an opportunity to win the division as well. They just well, I, I'm I'm nervous States. because well, I'm nervous because we're playing only five days and we're playing a team that has has got you know their thorn in our side. The thing that doesn't bode well for you, Daniel, is. We have Carolina week 17, and um, there's really nothing scary about them, even as a division rival. Well, I mean, the, the way the Bucks are starting games is not it, – it, 
it's only going to end bad at some point. They they got lucky this weekend. They've gotten lucky in many weeks um, with playing from behind and being able to come back. And maybe that's just because you paid the money and got the guy that can handle the pressure of doing that. I don't know. It might just be the curse of the Falcons and not being. Well, that's what I was fixing to ask you. What's worse being a Jets fan or a Falcons fan? Because it's one thing to just know you're going to lose. It's another thing to get up by 17, 21, 24 every week and then lose. Well, after this season with the Cowboys, I would much rather be a Falcons fan than a Jets fan. (laughs) A hundred percent. Because there, I was I was reading Twitter as it was seventeen nothing at halftime, and every single person said that Atlanta was going to blow the game. It, I mean, it was known it was going to happen. Yeah, um, and, and you you started seeing that the Bucks, you know, come out second half, go down there, score a touchdown, but then give one up uh, immediately. So then you start thinking, well, maybe maybe not, but. They continue just to do what they do, throw the ball down the field, and they find guys open. And, hell, even Antonio Brown got a touchdown this week. So um, it'll be interesting to see. They'll be in the playoffs where I don't know. Um, I don't foresee the Saints losing the next two, and I I don't foresee the the Bucs winning the next two. Um, I think they win against Detroit, but I think they'll lose against Detroit. Here's the one thing I don't want to see. Here's the one thing I don't want to see, Daniel, and maybe you want to see this. I don't like seeing the same game over and over again. And as a Saints fan, based upon the way the first two games went, maybe I should want to see it. But right now, as the way it would fall, the Bucks and the Saints would play again. And, I, I mean, if it has to happen eventually, sure. But it's really not – I'm not ready for that a third time. I'd like to see them play someone else. Well, I mean – Unfortunately, that's not the way it works, Jim. And I, I agree. Maybe a, a different matchup would be better. But I mean, at the end of it, they have to. If they win, they're going to have to play each other anyway. So, might as well do it. See who's better. Let you know the other move on and, and continue while the other goes home and cries. I, I don't know. But um, one thing that I will say, and I haven't talked much about the Cowboys in the past few weeks because there really hasn't been much to talk about, but here we are two games left. And if they win the next two, there's a possibility that they could win the division, which is absolutely crazy to me. So I'll ask you, Randy is what is the likelihood that the Cowboys can win the next two and win the division and and sneak into the playoffs? It's 2020. That division is the worst I've ever seen. So I'm going to say highly, highly likely because why not? Yeah, why not? Hey, I and mean, if the NFL gets a chance to have the Cowboys in, oh, we know what's going down. Oh, Jerry's sure. going to make a couple calls. Absolutely. I mean, they we got the Eagles and the Giants. So it's two divisional games that you have to win. Um, you know, looking at the standings, you've got um, – You've got Washington six and eight, Cowboys five and nine tied with the Giants. So if you win both of those games, it puts yourself in a very good position. Then you gotta have the I think Philly plays Washington again. So you gotta have Washington lose one of those two games, which hey, anything can happen. Uh, but we'll we'll 
we'll move on. You know, this week the Browns taking on the Giants. The Browns win. The um, Jets. Or I'm sorry, the Jets. Um, the Browns win, and I- I'll say this. You, you were right. The Browns are a good team. They it are. Was the, it was the Giants they played last week, wasn't it? Yeah. That's, yeah, but yeah. I thought he said it was playing this week, though. My bad. No, they they played this past week. The the Giants they they won, which and me being a Cowboys fan, I'm I'm happy that that happens. But you know, once again, I was wrong. The Browns are a pretty good team, and they're it seems like they're getting better each week, but. Are they on that level yet? No, they're you know not. The level on, I'm talking about. There's no, they're three not on teams that. on the top of that that level, and I don't, I, I don't see them there yet. They're not on top of that level yet, but there's there's two key factors, and one is something that Randy says all the time, and it's is Baker feeling dangerous because when he's feeling dangerous, he's awesome. But the other is something that you mentioned. You talked about slowing it, the game down and running. And I think, in my personal opinion, may not be very popular. I think you could easily make a case that Nick Chubb might be a top five running back. And so when he gets going, and if Baker's hot, and so you're you're not one dimensional and you can hit on both phases, then I mean I think they do have a chance. But no, I don't think they're on that level yet. I'd be I mean, I'd be lying like crazy if I said that. So Randy, I'll ask you, given that we got two weeks left. Who is in the playoffs in the AFC? Who, who, who are your, your eight or your seven AFC teams making the playoffs? Well, number one seed is locked up. That's going to go to the Chiefs. We know that's what's up. <clears throat> and then, I, you know what? I'm going to – I like the way Jim phrased it. I'm, I'm, I'm going Browns. I'm going to say that the Chiefs – it's going to depend on this game. But if that week 17 matches up Browns-Steelers, I'm, I'm going Browns, baby. Baker is going to feel dangerous. Uh, Bills, you know, they clinched their division, so they're in. And give me the Colts. Give me the Colts to win the South, just, just like I predicted. And uh, I'll go Steelers in that, in that five seed. I think they'll still be there. Uh, Titans in the six. And I'm really, really struggling with the seven. It's, I mean, Ravens or Dolphins. And just because I think they're a better team, I'm, I would lean to the Ravens. But, man, the Dolphins, their defense is legit. Give me Dolphins in the seven seed. So – Here's what the Dolphins have left. They have the Raiders and they have Buffalo. But is Buffalo even going to be playing for anything in Week 17? They got it locked up. I don't know. But they got the East locked up. I guess seeding would come into play. Yep. Possibly. But I, I think that the Dolphins have proven they can compete there. I mean, the defense is there's. I mean, they're good. But I will say this, and I will forever hate Josh Allen for being on my bench time and time again proven I should have started him over Russell Wilson. Well, the, the, Raven, the Ravens have the Giants and the Bengals, so. Ooh, well, let me ask Ooh, you, Randy. Wee. I mean, Randy, you feel, you feel Buffalo's truly legit, obviously, at this point, right? I do, I do, yeah. The reason why I ask is because the way it currently sits, and obviously we got a couple games of, if y'all don't win the division, that is your first round matchup. I love that matchup for the Colts. Oh, so love you it. do – yeah, well, I think I they're know, legit. You said they were legit, but then you say you like the matchups. So I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, no, no. I, I, because I think the Colts are legit. I just think it's going to come down. I think that DB, he pointed it out. If you can run the ball, the Colts can. Their offensive line is legit. I think you can slow Josh Allen down. I think that that's still in him, right? It's still in him to throw a couple picks. And the Colts' defense is extremely opportunistic. Do you and going to cold weather, that doesn't matter to the Colts. Do you guys want to know something silly? 
and, and this is just absolutely ridiculous. We just talked about the Cowboys, DB. That's the silly. <laughs> the, the Cowboys could get into the playoffs with seven wins, and the Dolphins could miss the playoffs with ten. Yeah. Just let that sink in. Jim, NFC, who you got? Who's your top seven? Uh, Green Bay's basically got the the one locked up because even if they were to lose to Tennessee this week, um, I forgot who it was. They have week 17, but it's no contest. They have the tiebreaker with the Saints. So, um, put them at the one. Um, I mean, I'm going to keep the Saints at the two, but obviously I, I just told you a minute ago I was feeling pessimistic uh, with the Minnesota game being on short notice and having so many injuries. Um, interesting game we haven't brought up yet. Seattle plays the Rams this week. The winner of that is in control of the West, and they would be getting that three seed. So that's the game to watch because the Rams will have then swept them. So, But after losing to the Jets, I'm going Seattle. Let's be clear. <laughs> if you lose to the Jets, I cannot pick you to win your division. So give me Seattle in the three. Daniel, I hate to break your heart. Give me Washington in the four, bro. I just uh, – I can't pick Dallas and I, that division, whatever. I don't, I'm not even justifying my picks. Um, five would then be um, – five would then be give me the Bucks. Six would be Arizona. Seven, the Rams. Mm, you hurt my heart, Jim, but – I picked them to go to the NFC Championship before this season started. They broke my heart. But there's still a chance. They could, they could still do that. <laughs> Get out of here. All right, looking at, at this week's slate of games, Jim, your, your Saints uh, have the Vikings. Who wins? Saints, man. Ain't no, doing no walk-off on us this time. The, the, what about the refs? Will the refs win? The refs had nothing to do with the Minnesota game. That was, that was the Rams game. Minnesota, Minnesota just beat us. That, that's just what it is. That, both times. I had I cannot blame the refs for either of the losses to Minnesota in the playoffs. All right, Randy, you got Colts and Steelers. Your boys taking it down? Or Steelers yeah. going to come back with a vengeance? Nah, duh, baby. I love Mike Tomlin, but give me the Colts. I'm taking the Cowboys to beat the Eagles, and I'm going to take the Cowboys to win every game. I think the Cowboys are going to win the last game of this season. Oh, the Super Bowl? <laughs> Man, I can't wait. Wouldn't yes. that be the most 2020 thing ever? That'd be amazing. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. Will Dak be Man. on the sidelines for it? Oh, he'll be uh, – I would imagine so. He'll Shout be out to Memphis own Tony Pollard. What a game, baby. I know. TP having having a game, and there's people out there that started Ezekiel Elliott in fantasy leagues and forgot to take him out. So, not a good time of the season to to have something like that happen. But uh, Jim, you got Seahawks and Rams. You mentioned it earlier, but you know the Rams are coming off a loss to the Jets. Are are they beating the Seahawks for control of the division? No, I just told you I can't. I can't. You lost the Jets, man. And, like, I was a believer in the Rams. Like, it's disappointing. They're not even my team, and I was disappointed. And, and I asked it again because I wanted to give you time to, to really let it sink in on how bad Russell Wilson has played over the past few weeks. You, you, hey, since you, in our league, since you lost a fantasy, 
you were playing the fifth. But did you pay attention to my to my game at all? Uh, no. I uh, okay. Well, well, let, let me be clear. I benched Kirk Cousins for Jared Goff, and I played the Rams defense because they were playing the Jets. Um, so the Rams uh, quarterback and defense cost me going to the fantasy championship. So I actually um, want them to lose. Screw them. All right, Randy. Last game of note: Titans at the Packers, and I. I it's hard for me to root for Packers, but I have a feeling that you might be rooting for the Packers this week. I have no issues rooting for Aaron Rodgers, and I will be rooting for them again. And if I got to see one more damn highlight of Derrick Henry stiff arming a dude half his size, I'm gonna throw up. Man, he gets no respect. Everybody is half his size and and getting stiff arms, but like the dudes, like hey, shout out to Ryan Clark. LSU's own. He called it like he saw it. You hit him, he falls. <laughs> well, tell him, Jim, it's Twitter war. Ryan Clark's been all over it. You hit yeah. him, he falls. Ryan, Ryan Clark comes with it. He's like Michael Thomas. He's just on Twitter, just letting people have it. Well, Michael Thomas ain't got nothing to do for the next couple of weeks, so he can jump on Twitter. What a, what a terrible year he's had, Jim. Like, you still, like, you still. On his side, or is he, he – I mean, in the few go. games he played, he was great, and he didn't cause any trouble. I mean, all sources say this was a Sean Payton decision. I mean, we don't know the truth on that. But, um, you know, I think my problem with, with them deciding to rest him was the fact that you had Callaway who was on IR and Harris who was on IR. So, I feel like I wish he would have toughed it out because he really left Emmanuel Sanders out there. I mean, they called up three wide receivers from the practice squad. Bro, you know we need a win. Tough. I mean, I don't I, I don't hate him or nothing like that. Like, nothing like that. But I am disappointed. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I've had him on two teams. And, of course, like, when he plays – he gives you the potential to have a really good, good day, but I've been salty with him all season and him punching the dude in the mouth probably didn't do himself any favors for moving, trying to move forward. So I think they're ready just to wash it of him this year and, and move on to next year. But Hey, on that punching in the mouth, can I maybe blame him at this point? Because <laughs> CJ Gardner Johnson's done been punched in the mouth like three times this year. So clearly he's saying some stuff that's over the top. And or he just likes getting punched in the mouth. But speaking of getting punched in the mouth, we had championship weekend in college football guys. And it was almost like the PAC 12 championship was just meaningless because I feel like USC lost to Oregon. And even if USC would have won, it really wouldn't have mattered. Randy, was it, was that the feeling that you had watch, or watching the game or, or getting the results of that game? Uh, absolutely. I mean, Oregon gets to step in to play for a championship that they didn't actually earn. And then they thank you was to go out and beat the team. And a lot of people had said USC was, uh, you know, not as good as their record because they came back in some games, won some real ugly ones, and, and they just – they proved it, right? They just went out and lost. And then after the game, oh, does Oregon really get the championship? Of course they do. The, yeah. The conference put them there. They played. They won. Absolutely. You know, I've been a Helton, like, hot seat guy, and I, I don't know what it is. He's 
he knows how to avoid being fired more than anybody I know because he's been on that hot seat, it seems like, for three years now, and I, I don't think he's going anywhere. So, but Jim, Big Ten, Northwestern put up a fight for a little bit, but in, inevitably Ohio State took them down. Um, Ohio State, it's obvious, didn't play a, enough or as many games as anyone else. The Big Ten stepped in and changed the rules to allow them to be eligible uh, for the college football playoff. But, you know, were you surprised in how Ohio State played early against Northwestern, or were you more surprised that Northwestern was able to, to do some things against Ohio State? I think I'd have to be more impressed with Northwestern because, I mean, it's not like uh, – I mean, they were forcing turnovers – it wasn't it wasn't flukish they were they were playing good and they were playing good defensively and um you know i still think ohio state is one of the best four teams but i definitely think it has to throw up some cause for concern that they didn't go in there and you know smoke them like we thought they would have and so you know when you're looking at that final four you're already nervous about alabama being that much better than the rest and so when you see them struggle with northwestern even though you give Northwestern their credits, it's got to concern you about Ohio State just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I in the the game, big games that they've played, they, I mean, they haven't been as sharp as as they probably should be. But who's Would to say, say it's because not? of the way the season's been? Because I mean, we look at Ohio State last year, and it's a lot of the same guys, and they dominated in such a way, and then they play like this. I mean, is it because of the the way this whole season and this pandemic's played in? Yeah, I think it's uh, the fact that they wanted to play and then they thought they weren't going to have a season and then all of a sudden they are having a season Then it's a shortened season and then an even shorter season because teams aren't playing and just a lot of like hurdles and obstacles to get through. But, I, you know, and we'll talk playoffs in a minute and we'll, we'll get into how I really feel about Ohio State and them being in it. Um, but Randy – Iowa State did what we thought they were eventually going to do is drop a big game because I, I don't – I haven't seen them win the big game. They have all this talk about how good of a coach Matt Campbell is, but yet he lets an uh, inferior, in my opinion, Oklahoma team just, just beat them. And there were moments in that game, Jim, you would be – you'd be impressed at how he got into those refs, man. Like, he was lighting them up, but – Randy, are you surprised Iowa State's lost to Oklahoma, or are you just consider it, hey, Oklahoma's one of the dominant teams in the Big 12, and they had every opportunity to win, and they did? Never thought Oklahoma was going to lose the game. I mean, this is what they do. They win Big 12 titles. This was their sixth in a row. I mean, they, that's just what they do. And But it was almost one of those meaningless games. Nobody – it mattered. I don't even know why we had it. Nobody cared. Nobody watched. I, and I think, you know – when we talk playoffs, we'll get into this too, is I've never in a, in a season, and it's, I guess it's just what we're dealing with this year, but had so many conference championships that were kind of meaningless. It's a weird, um, it's a weird year, man. Yeah, it is. And even the, the American championship, Jim, you know, Cincinnati does what they were supposed to do. They beat a, a ranked opponent in the conference championship. They went undefeated and got no love but were you surprised that you know Cincinnati won or did you think that you know they were gonna blow Tulsa out or 
or what was your thoughts on, on them winning the American? Um, you know, first of all, shout out to them for, you know, going undefeated and, and winning the conference. I did think that they were going to blow them out the way that they had played all year, even with Tulsa being good. But, you know, Tulsa proved that they were a good team and they were a worthy adversary and, you know, good for them to hang in there. Cincinnati, you know how I felt. I felt like, you know, just because it's a weird year and I didn't feel like there was any really definitively good fourth team, I really would have liked to see Cincinnati get in there for their achievement this year. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I I don't know if they're better than Notre Dame. I don't know if they're better than any of those four, five, six teams. But, um, you know, what I do know, Randy, is that Alabama is the SEC champion and they're better than everybody. <laughs> That's um, true. They they beat Florida, but did did you feel as though they were showing some some glimpses of how they looked against Ole Miss where Florida was able to like come back quickly and take some shots at them? Well, I mean, when did the SEC become the Big 12? 52 to 46, over a thousand yards of offense. Um, what Florida could not do or did not do because they were behind. They didn't run the ball. I think they only had like 55 yards rushing. Uh, I mean, but oh my goodness, Najee Harris, I think he had five touchdowns. Mac Jones, going to win the Heisman, had five touchdowns. I mean, shout out to Florida for, for making it close and really giving themselves a puncher's chance at the end. But I've Alabama, they have long history of being known for their defense. But that offense is stupid good, talent everywhere. And I'm neat from receivers to running backs, to quarterbacks, everybody, the offensive line, the whole thing. My God, that def that offense is something else. So, yeah, yeah. let me ask you, Randy, because you brought up the Ole Miss game. You know, I felt the same way about the Florida game as I did the Ole Miss game. Even though Ole Miss was putting up points and even though Florida was putting up points, it felt like Alabama was never going to be stopped. So, it didn't matter. The one time that they even got the stop, they got the interception. <laughs> Alabama smokes, dude. Was it Michi? And, yeah, gets the ball, and gets the ball right back. So, even when you made a stop, you didn't get a stop. Well, they had 33 first downs, to your credit. 33 first downs for one team in a game. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, it's, it's rather crazy. I was texting Jim in real, in real time, asking him if he saw that hit. And he sent me a, a, a video of it on his TV, and it – it was good. It was a good. Hit. I mean, you know, they talk that was you heard, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Danielson, but he was right. He's like, you know, it's it's one side. It's one thing to be blindside blocked. It's another thing running back the interception. You know, you got this great feeling and all of a sudden somebody blindside smokes you and you lose the ball and they get it back. That's oh, the I mean, culture of Alabama, right? And and the the thing is, it's it's legal to blindside tackle somebody. It's not legal to blindside block somebody. So it's it's like you don't get to see it that often. And when you do, like you get fired up for that. I will I will say it was funny they were doing um, on college football uh, final. They had an interview with Najee Harris, and he's all excited and pumped up, and you could you could feel the emotion like like coming through the screen it kind of gave you goosebumps and immediately after that they go to Nick Saban and it's just like let me ask you a question thinking about that play and just thinking about um an interception that that went bad do you remember because it's your boy from Tennessee do you remember when uh Drew Brees threw a pick 
uh, against Washington, and then the guy was running back, and Robert Meacham took the ball away from him and then scored a touchdown and ran it back the other way. Yes, shout-out to Robert Meacham, a great Tennessee receiver. So, Jim, Clemson just beat the brakes off Notre Dame. I mean, I don't – were you shocked? No, we knew we knew this was eventually coming, and I think it would have happened if Lawrence played in the first game. Yes, I get it. The 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 five star recruit quarterback that's behind Lawrence played, and he played well. But I mean, Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. Period. Should Trevor Lawrence be a Heisman candidate? I don't think he's played enough games. When you talk about what Randy was talking about with Mac Jones, and then you look at Kyle Trask, and even they've even talked about Smith which, you know, a receiver is not going to win it over the quarterback. But, I mean, he's not in it over any of those guys, so no. Well, he hasn't played enough games. Remind me again, how many games has Ohio State played? Six. Is Justin Fields a Heisman candidate? Well, not in my mind. He is, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no. I, I, feel, I, like, I feel like there's three guys in the race, and Trask losing to Mac, obviously, and having multiple losses um, seals that up. I, yeah, I think it's Mac Jones, period. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I agree with that, but I think Trevor Lawrence should be in consideration, and here, here's why. What they were able to do on Saturday is exactly why he should be a part of it, because the game that they lost to the same team that he beat the hell out of, he wasn't able to play. So you, you can't tell me that he wasn't the, the factor. Hey, man, right. if Charles Woodson can win over Peyton Manning, anything can happen. But the, but the thing is, you know what, Tre Trevor Lawrence is going to get, well, even though this might be a bad thing if it's the Jets, um, but now it's looking like it's Jacksonville, which still may not be a good thing. But he's going to be the number one pick. So, at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure that's what he cares about more than being a Heisman. Hey, Jim, what did Eric Anders tell us? Them checks cash the same, baby. Right, right. yeah. So, I mean, he's going to get paid. He's going to be the number one pick. So, I'm sure that matters more than Heisman because, you know, even if Mac Jones gets it, it's not going to supplant him as a top pick. What, what I keep thinking, and I visualize in my mind, Charles Woodson doing the Heisman pose and then Peyton Manning doing the Heisman pose. It's just not the same. That's the, big, and that's the biggest robbery in Heisman history. I've, I still, to this day, remember my dad, and I would have loved to have been around Randy one and the same. Like, I mean, the utter disbelief on my dad's face, like, it, could, it just – I mean, I was 13 years old. I think I cried. You know, I was, like, unbelievable. So, guys, the, the playoffs are set. We got Alabama. Hold on, hold on Daniel. Daniel, you going to blow past LSU winning a game? Uh, yeah. We, we talked about meaningless talked, games. We've talked about many meaningless games, too many. Meaningless. Can I at least say one thing? Well, I have a feeling you're going to say it anyway, so go booty, ahead. Booty, 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 rocking everywhere. 308 receiving yards. SEC record. Obvious LSU record. Can I at least give my boy some credit? You know, because they always say in sports, next man up, Chase opted out, Marshall opted out. The freshman goes out there and gets 308 receiving yards. So, at least let me give that kid his due. All right, I'm done. That's the only reason why he was able to do that is because those two guys aren't playing. <laughs> but give him his credit. 300-something receiving yards, that's that's phenomenal. That's shit. I don't I don't know how many people have ever done that. I can't name any. I'm sure there's been a few, but anyhow, the playoffs. That's that's the big hot button topic. You got Alabama, 
number one, Clemson number two, Ohio State number three, and Notre Dame number four. So Alabama will take on Notre Dame. Clemson will take on Ohio State. Jim, what were your initial reactions when you got your top four? This is a repeat of last year. I mean, when LSU drew Oklahoma, everybody predicted a blowout and that the number two and three game versus Clemson, Ohio State will be a great game. And I feel like we just got the same thing. I mean, Alabama is going to absolutely blow the doors off um, Notre Dame. And I think that we're going to get a good 2-3 game. I mean, hopefully Ohio State plays a much better game and we get to see good Trevor Lawrence and we get, to get we get a game that comes to the wire. But let me ask you this back because we, we hate on Notre Dame so much. Do you want an actual good game or do you want them to get horribly embarrassed? Um, I have no, like, I have no good feelings for Alabama or Notre Dame. So I would rather just see a good football game. Um, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Alabama is just going to beat the crap out of them. I don't even, it's going to prove what everybody said about Notre Dame being in is why not give it to someone else? Nobody wants to see Alabama beat the hell out of Notre Dame. I mean, plug and play that, though. Put Cincinnati in there, they'd be – Alabama would be favored by 30. Randy, I wanted to tag you in about and that's, – and, and that's fine. But at least you're giving someone else another opportunity. Notre Dame just had its opportunity. But, I, but I'm fixing to say why, and that's what I was going to say. I wanted to tag Randy 100 times on Facebook and annoy him – just so he can explain the financial aspect of having Notre Dame there versus anybody else. Oh, it's 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 they're the biggest draw in college football from a viewership standpoint. Even though they they're not going to win, and they're they're underdogs by nineteen and a half points. That's a one four matchup. That's ridiculous. But this they're money grabbing fellows. It was never going to go any other way. Texas A and M's not a draw. Cincinnati's damn sure not a draw. I hate it for the little guy. I, I listened to GP say the other day, in what sport do you have other than college football? Can you win every game and not have a chance to play for a championship? I hear you, GP, and I agree. However, we just lost out on millions and millions of dollars worth of revenue. You think they're not going to have Notre Dame playing on national football against the two biggest names in college football? Alabama and Notre Dame? Come on. Very true. Very true. Hey, we're going to ask Randy about the Tennessee withdrawing from the Liberty Bowl. That It ain't got nothing to do with COVID. They don't want to play in that bowl. Don't lie. Well, I mean, I, I would – yeah, that's easy to say. But I, I do – they wouldn't have accepted it. I think that when they were offered it, you know, because uh, I may have a little inside information, they accepted it, released the statement. I don't think you do that and then come back the next day and say, no, you're out. It may not have to do all with COVID, but I think they were more than happy to play in the Liberty Bowl. Yeah, I, I think anytime you get a chance to play in a bowl game and you accept it, like you're going, you're accepting it because you want to play in it. I don't. I, Fifteen I don't extra know. practices, right? Well, it's money. It's just it's money. It's it's it's, you, it's revenue. So like, you take a little bus ride down to Memphis. Yeah, I mean, it it could be worse. You know, could so, be in Birmingham. Randy, your reactions on the top four? What is it? What you thought that? thought it would be or you think somebody should be in that four spot other than Notre Dame no I'm I'm top four is who I think it should be 
Well, I, we know how Jim feels about Texas A&M, so we know he, he, he wasn't going to pick them. I love them. I love them. No, hey, here's what I'll <laughs> tell you. Jimbo Fisher's uh, stating his case after the game was beautiful. Like, I mean, he made me want to put them in then because, I mean, he was like, we went 9-1 and in the toughest conference, you know, and he went on a rant, and I was like, hey, man, go ahead, man. Tell him he, why he, you should be there. Everything he said was all facts, you know, and it wasn't always the prettiest. You're right. Uh, he made a great – statement and if that's anybody else other than a&m and the sec they're in there yeah i agree so guys um predictions last week jim had had tennessee over texas a&m that didn't happen um brandy had michigan over iowa i um, have no idea if that even happened (laughs) Uh, and then I picked North Northwestern over Ohio State, and that definitely didn't happen. So, so I was the only one that won. I, I yeah, I got to thinking like the predictions have been pretty abysmal. Well, the uh, rules you gave us aren't exactly easy, brother. I, I got you. So we're gonna we're gonna have a little bit more fun with this. We're gonna do something different. We're gonna we're gonna go through all the bowl games and we're gonna pick them. So like every single one of them, every one of them. Bro. Well, there's not as nearly as many Randy, because there was like, I don't know, like 13 of them canceled for this year. All right. So guess what? The first bowl game was earlier today and Appalachian state beat up on North Texas. So and I picked them. I so had I'm one state. Me too. Yeah. We, we, we all had, we all had app state. So congratulations. We, we all, I finally got a W. Yes. All right, so then the next bowl is the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, Nevada and Tulane. Jim, who you got? Tulane, Green Wave, baby. Randy, who you got? Tulane. I will take Tulane as well. Boca Raton Bowl, UCF versus BYU. Randy, who do you got? BYU. Jim. BYU. Yeah, I'm gonna go with with the the BYU, the Cougs. All right, Louisiana Tech, Georgia Southern. Jim, who you got? Uh, is Louisiana in the name, brother? Who you who you got, Randy? Georgia Southern. I'm gonna take Louisiana Tech. It's in New Orleans, so home field. Uh, Memphis, FAU, Randy. The Tigers. Yep, you already know where I stand. Jim, who you got? I mean, seriously, Memphis. All right, Jim. New Mexico Bowl, Hawaii and Houston. Ooh, uh, you know what? For, you know, fun of it, give me the Rainbow Warriors. All right. Randy, who you got? Houston, big, huge, huge Houston. Yeah. I, I that might know. be the pick that separates Randy. us all, huh? Since we've all picked the same, that might be the pick that cost me. Well, I think we picked different on Georgia Southern La Tech. That's right. I think I got you too now. I'm taking Houston as well. Randy, Buffalo and Marshall, the Camellia Bowl, Montgomery. Man, I really, really want to pick Marshall. Give me Marshall. Even I don't think they're going to win. Give me Marshall. I'm going to take Marshall. Who you got, Jim? Marshall. The Bumbling Herd. All right, Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Hey, that's in Tampa. UAB in South Carolina. Who you got, Jim? South Carolina. Randy. 
UAB. Ooh, I'm going to pick the Blazers. I'm going to go South Carolina. Uh, Coastal Carolina versus the Fighting Falwells. Randy. Give me the shanty clears. Who you got, Jim? Same. Well, I'm going with the Fighting Falwells. I feel like that's a storybook for me. Randy opened this book and just really – you started me down a path with the, the Liberty Flames, and I, I'm ready to, to light this thing Haven't on they been fire. a couple of your L's this year already? Yeah, they have indeed. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm sticking with them. All right, we got Louisiana at University of Texas, San Antonio. Randy, who you got? Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, Jim, who you got? Louisiana. I'll take Louisiana as well. The Lending Tree Bowl, Western Kentucky and Georgia State. Jim, who you got? Man, talk about a game I don't know anything about either. Give me Western Kentucky. Randy. Uh, give me Georgia State. I'm going to go Georgia State as well. All right. The Cheez-It Bowl, Miami and Oklahoma State. Here we go. Getting into the good ones. Uh, Jim, who you got? Oklahoma State. Randy. Miami. Ooh, man. Ooh. You know what? Give me Miami, too. They seem like guys that like Cheez-Its. All right, the the Alamo Bowl, Texas and Colorado. Randy, who you got? Uh, give me Texas, big. Jim, who you got? Texas. I'll take Texas as well. All right, Duke's Mayo Bowl. <laughs> the best Mayo. Wake Forest and Wisconsin. Randy, who you got? Give me the Badgers. Jim, who you got? Wisconsin. You know what? I'm going to take Wake Forest, Jim, and you know why? Uh, Tim Duncan went there. Nope. <laughs> Remember two years ago when we had a chance to win big money? What was the one team that just screwed Wisconsin. us up? Still salty about that, so you can go – Get bent, Wisconsin. I'm taking Wake Forest. All right, the Trans Perfect Music Music City Bowl, Iowa and Missouri. Jim, who you got? Iowa. Randy. Iowa. I will take Iowa as well. The Cotton Bowl, Oklahoma and Florida. Randy, who you got? Florida. Oh, buddy. Mm, Florida is gonna win. Give me Oklahoma. Jim, who you got? Oklahoma, because Florida's got some opt-outs of playing that game already that are big. I will take Oklahoma as well. All right, we got the Armed Forces Bowl, Tulsa, Mississippi State. Who you got, Jim? Tulsa. Who you got, Randy? State. I will take State as well. All right, getting to the nitty-gritty. Arizona Bowl, San Jose State and Ball State. Randy, who you got? San Jose State. Sounds like a cool name. Yeah, that's who I'm taking. Jim, who you got? I'm going to take Ball State just because I got to be different. Yeah, have me and DB picked on the opposite side yet? We got to start going the other way here. All right. 
This next one will go on the op- the opposite side. All right. He picked Liberty. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, speaking of Liberty, the Liberty Bowl is now Army versus West Virginia. Randy, who you got? Give me West Virginia. Jim, who you got? West Virginia. I'm going to take Army. I love it. You love yeah. America. Yep, I do. TCU and Arkansas in the Texas Bowl. Oh. Interesting. Jim, who you got? Arkansas. Randy, who you got? Give me the Horned Frogs. I'm going to take Arkansas. All right. Peach Bowl, Cincinnati and Georgia. Jim, who do you got? Cincinnati. Let's go. Randy, who do you got? Georgia. Give me Georgia. The Citrus Bowl, Northwestern and Auburn. Randy. Auburn. Auburn. Jim, who do you got? Northwestern. I'm going to take Northwestern as well. All right. NC State versus Kentucky, the Gator Bowl. Who you got, Randy? Kentucky. Kentucky. Jim? Kentucky. I'm going to take Kentucky as well. Indiana and Ole Miss, Jim? Hmm. It's the Outback Bowl. This is in Tampa. You know what? Give me Ole Miss. Randy? Lane Kiffin's going to be distracted with his co-eds from when he was down in Florida. But give me the ribs. Hotty toddy. I'm going to take Ole Miss as well. All right, the Fiesta Bowl, Iowa State and Oregon. Jim, who do you got? Oregon. Randy, who you got? Give me the fighting Matt Campbells. As much as I don't want to, I'm going to take Iowa State as well. All right, the Orange Bowl, Texas A&M versus North Carolina. Jim, who are you taking? <laughs> North Carolina. A&M. I'm taking A&M. All right, so that leaves us with the two biggies. All right, Alabama and Notre Dame. Randy, who are you taking? Alabama. Jim, who are you taking? Notre Dame. No, Alabama. I'm taking Alabama as well. And then finally, Clemson at Ohio State. Jim, who are you taking? Ohio State. Clemson. Mm, I'm going to put it on me. I'm going to take Clemson. All right, boys. There it is. There it is. I guess we're all in agreement that Alabama is going to be the national champion. I didn't say <laughs> that. I'm giving. I'm going sunshine. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Right. If I guess if there's a team that can beat Alabama, I guess Clemson is probably as, as close as we're going to get. Um, but I guess that's why they play the game, gentlemen. All right, boys, let's jump into these last segments. Randy, my man, make us rich. So I really just want to, uh, you know, in, in the COVID world, virtual world, everybody's trying to limit uh, in-person things. So Zoom's doing a pretty cool thing. This is 
ties into money because you got to pay for Zoom, ain't that right, Jim? Yep. So normally, as a uh, as a rule, you can only have a forty minute conversation. We found that out when we started this great podcast. But the dates and times, Zoom has decided to let that go as long as you want. You can see Grandma in Arizona, or you can see Uncle Phil in Oregon. Doesn't matter. From December seventeenth to December nineteenth, December twenty third to December twenty sixth, and December thirtieth to January second. You don't need anything to remove the limit either. Just log on, give Grandma the sign in, so ain't no creeps on there. And do your thing for as long as you want. So shout out to Zoom for doing what they should have done all along, making it free. Go on with your bad self. Zoom, Zoom cannot be like I guess it's it's tough for Zoom because this pandemic is the best thing that ever happened to them, and that's a terrible thing to say. But it, I think we all know that's true. Uh, speaking of terrible things, Jim, you gonna blow that whistle where the refs terrible this week? I'm actually going to use my segment for something else. I'm blowing the whistle, but I'm not going to do it to referees. Um, Randy will know this is near and dear to him. Got friends like Adam Quinn and others um, in Shelby County who are wanting to work. Um, restaurant, music, all that, all the different jazz industry who are really struggling. And Memphis is trying to shut them all down and they need to work. And so I don't know how, I don't have the answers, but somehow, some way, Shelby County, figure it out. These people need to work. These people need to pay their bills. They need to take care of their family. So uh, blowing the whistle on those in charge to make the right decisions so these people are taken care of. And that's good stuff. Yeah, it's it's a very, very tough time right now. And, and every time we start to think that we're going to take a turn, then there's another hurdle thrown in the way. So, well, Daniel, before you go to your set, Randy, what is it – What the stat that they kept throwing up these restaurants, what, less than 5% of it outbreaks were coming from within that industry? Yeah, it was actually less than three was the data that the Shelby County Health Department – and, uh, you know, we touched on it. DB just kind of touched on it, too. The health department's in an impossible position that they're trying to keep people safe. I think what's really uh, – what they've decided to do uh, starting December 26th is limit it to 25% capacity in restaurants and establishments and uh, retail stores less than 50%. I think a lot of the pushback and the heartburn comes from if you really are putting a safer at-home uh, plan in place. Why are you waiting until December 26th? It just lends itself to criticism on the fact that you got to get those last couple of days of Christmas shopping in. So uh, by no means am I criticizing the health department. I just think that we got to listen to all sides. Shout out to Adam for being down there. Shout out to my friend, Lana Hickey, owner of Crave Sweets and uh, Bar and Bistro as well. She was out there, spoke very eloquently on the matter. And this is for, this is Christmas. Everybody's out there just trying to make a living. So everybody's in a tough spot. We also got to get the we got to Tennessee right now for those that do not know we're the highest rate of transmission in the world not in the country and not in the south in the world so we got to do something it's just impossible position to be in yeah um I I don't have any answers but I mean you know it it hurts right now for those that you know need a job and the holiday season is the worst time to go without being able to, to earn a living. And, you know, I, I use, I say that to kind of bleed into my, that's what's up award um, for this week. And my, that's what's up award is going to go to every 
school system in the country, probably in the world for that matter, because this is a very difficult time for uh, students. This is a very di difficult time for families as, you know, the, we work round the clock to educate students, but what is not seen is the fact that we also work around the clock to provide food, to provide gifts, to provide clothes, to provide shelter and necessities of life, uh, especially during holidays. So, you know, the school that I work at, we were able to provide 70 families meals for the next two weeks. The, the district was able to provide uh, every family that wanted it meals for two weeks. Um, you know, my buddy Titus O'Neill has been buying 10 families cars, uh, you know, fully paid for to provide transportation to and from jobs. He also did a joy of giving where he was able to, to give gifts to, to kids in need and make sure that all kids that, you know, we come in contact with have a gift to open up on Christmas. Uh, so it's, it's very bittersweet because it's a good thing, but it, it sucks because kids, have to, they get sad having to leave school and go home for the next two weeks knowing like this is you know in most people's families some of the best times but we have students out there that dread these two weeks because they don't have what they need to live and they don't get anything extra so uh shout out um to all the schools out there doing their part to make sure kids uh winter holidays are a little bit more joyful so that's what's up for this week. And guys, tonight's been great. We had a, a good interview. I want to thank Taylor Doblaze for, for joining us. I wish her the best. Uh, hope she comes back and, you know, her and I can go round and round again and this or that. So uh, if you like hearing us Average Joes talking X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, feedback is always welcome. We'll see everyone next week for episode 13. It's a big episode. We're bringing on Atlanta Braves star Austin Riley. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.